the idea of a, a denomination or the idea of, um, well, I subscribe to uh, John the Baptist, and so call me a Baptist, or I subscribe to Martin Luther, so call me a Lutheran. This idea of, of sect of the Christian faith. And so we talked about that a little bit, but <clears throat> this morning we're talking about the idea of, of the true origin of wisdom. Because there's worldly wisdom, there's what the world would tell you is wise, and there's true wisdom. And what the difference between knowledge and wisdom, a lot of people don't necessarily know. They, they might know there's a difference, but I'm going to read something from uh, Got Questions. It's a wonderful resource website. Um, he says, wisdom and knowledge both reoccur in the Bible as themes. Um, they're related but not synonymous. The dictionary defines wisdom as the ability to discern or judge what is true, right, or lasting. Knowledge, on the other hand, is information gained through experience, reasoning, or uh, acquaintance. Knowledge can exist without wisdom. It's very important to understand that. You can be one of the smartest bookworms, and you can understand all sorts of, of facts, and you can understand even a lot about a subject but not be wise. You can, you can be a literal fool, but be brilliant, as the world would say. So knowledge is knowing how to use a gun. Wisdom is knowing when to use it and when to keep it holstered. That's the difference. God wants us to have knowledge of him and what he expects of us. In order to obey him, we have to have knowledge of the commands. So we need to know his word. But as equally important as having knowledge is having wisdom. Knowing facts about God and the Bible is not all there is to wisdom. There are a ton of people who know a lot about God in theory. They, look, they know a lot about God in wisdom. They're usually seminary professors. They've never pastored a church before. But you're going to learn from them for three or four years as to how to pastor a church, but they've never done it before. But they're going to teach you how. And there's a million seminaries now around the world, and many of them are very expensive. And they are often teaching young men how to pastor churches, and they have never, many of them, not all, many of them have never pastored a church. Did Jesus tell his disciples, first, you must go to rabbinical school? No, he didn't. He released them with his spirit because his spirit is an actual teacher. It's an actual teacher. It's a living spirit. It's the same spirit that raised his dead corpse to life. Not after a minute, not after an hour, but after days. That same spirit was what Jesus told his disciples, wait to start this church, wait to start this assembly, wait for this power, wait for this Holy Spirit. So when I went to Bible college, there was never a class on this. If you can believe that. There was no class on how to pray how to wait upon the Lord, how to disciple people. And there was no class on the Holy Spirit, not one. Christian missions, hermeneutics, interpretation, Greek, Hebrew. Okay, that's awesome. It's like arm roll on the wheels. It looks really slick on your, on your resume. But how do I do the job? Well, you got to go work at a church and figure it out. Well, why did I need to come here? Well, because you have to have our degree. Because we say when you are... Uh, when you are um, certified to go take a church over. Once again, true wisdom or worldly wisdom. Do we need 500 seminaries 
most of which are not conservative anymore, being taught by people who say you have to come through this door in order to be an actual used minister inside of a church. So once again, God wants us to know facts about the Bible, but that doesn't equal wisdom. Wisdom is a gift from God. James 1.5. If any of you lacks wisdom, where do you go? Seminary? Where do you go? Bible college? Where do you go? The mission field? No. You first go to God who gives generously to all without finding fault. If you have been at fault, if you have been a bum, spiritually speaking, come to God, repent and ask him for wisdom. God, I've been stupid. I've been, I've been foolish. I've been all these things. God goes, Hey, I'm going to give you all of what you need. I'm going to give you, I'm going to give to you liberally without fault. God blesses us with wisdom in order for us to glorify him. That's the whole point. Why would God give us spiritual wisdom in order to glorify him and use that knowledge we have of him to glorify him, to glorify his son? So verse 18 says, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those of us who are being saved, it is the power of God. This is a huge, we talked about this last week with my buddy that worked at the golf course that was the most worldly guy in the world, got saved at college, comes back, wears a cross hat, and it's foolishness to all of the members, the mobsters that we all worked for there. Um, they hated him. Why? Because all of a sudden they don't, they feel convicted by him. They don't like his new religion. They don't like his new faith because he's preaching the cross. He's preaching Christ to them. And they're like, this is, this is useless. This is foolishness. We don't like you anymore. To the world, the person um, that's on their way to destruction, it is pure foolishness. What? That I only need Jesus in this life? That, that I don't need any of these other things that I have? Well, I didn't say you don't need air. I didn't say you didn't need food. I didn't say you didn't need shelter. But what I'm saying is what you have to have for sure is you have to have a relationship with the one that knew you, that made you in order for there to actually be pure salvation or in actually in, in, order, in order for a person to be saved. It's the power of God to those that are being saved. A Christian realizes they can't save themselves. A Christian realizes that God has done something. I'll explain it, but a Christian understands that. In uh, Isaiah chapter 29, which is verse 19, um, God says, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. This is such an interesting uh, verse because I love how the New Living talks about this. Uh, the New Living says, and this is kind of the thought behind it, is I will destroy human wisdom and discard their most brilliant ideas. One of the greatest and most brilliant ideas that you see on signs in this very neighborhood is climate action now. Have you seen this one? It's usually green. Sometimes it's in Spanish. Climate action now. Well, hold on a second. Let me think about this. So when I see that sign, what am I supposed to think? When I see that sign, something is very wrong with the climate, apparently. So what is the answer? Well, if you go onto YouTube and you type in global warming slash climate change, you will get the phone book of videos. Some of those videos are pro climate change and, and that we all need to immediately stop burning gas uh, burning coal, burning natural gas, whatever it is, and some go, the whole thing is a hoax. I've watched videos on both sides. And the one thing that I can conclude is, because I don't want to stand up here and pretend like I have a, 
a climate degree or a biology degree or whatever degree these guys have, um, climatologists, I don't. But when I watch these people, there is no consensus on the damage that is being done actively. There is no consensus in this community. But what is true is there is no across-the-board consensus as if, as to if the warming that they claim is happening right now, the warming is dangerous. There is no consensus on this. I have watched countless former um, climate change advocates all of a sudden change their tune, and then they get fired. And then they get in, they are, um, they're out of the group, if you will, okay? So when you hear these people talk, they say the world is 4 billion plus years old, but they have climate research on 200 total years of history. 200 years out of 4 billion, some say it's 80 billion years. I don't know that I want to make a definitive statement on 200 out of 80 billion years. Let's just give them 1 billion. 200, that, this is worldly wisdom. This is worldly, what, what God says, I'm going to destroy the wisdom of the wise. The wisdom, the prevailing wisdom in this country right now is that we've got to do something about this climate. Okay, well, what are we going to do? Well, you have to stop driving a car. Well, are you going to stop flying your jet? No, I will not. So there's no consensus, but this is one of the largest issues of our day because gasoline prices affect every single person all the time. And so when you go to try and figure out what's, what's the wisdom, what's the, what is the real deal here? When you go try and figure that out, you can't. But when you go and try and figure out what God says about stuff, you can. When you go try and figure out what, what is salvation, you can. When you go to figure out what does God say about X, Y, and Z, you can. You can figure it out in two seconds. And guess what? This has never changed. But that, what I just talked about changes every single week. There's somebody that's changing this. And so I watched a video where people are laying in the street. They're laying in the middle of an intersection, and they're, they're waving a flag and mumbling something. They're just waving. And they're cli climate action now. They're just waving their flags in the middle of the street. And what they're doing is they're making people idle and burn more gas and blow up the planet, apparently. They don't care. They, they, flew, to, they flew to the event to get there, which is hilarious. So... All, I mean, I, I, I sort of joke about it, but this is one of the top three issues of our day right now, is that fuel prices and, and oil prices, and should we use these things or should we not, there is a liberal scientist that, that says that the world in, 2000, in 2060 is due to start cooling on its own no matter what, that it's going back into another cycle. That I agree with climate change. It changes every single day. It's not the same degree as it was yesterday at this exact same time. Not the same. Tomorrow might be warmer. The next day might be colder. We don't know. It does change. Absolutely it changes because there's cycles of things. But once again, in Luke chapter 20, I referenced one of these verses where Jesus says this. He says it in multiple places. Luke chapter 21, Jesus says, take heed that you are not deceived. Guys, deception is one of the biggest deals in our day because deception is so subtle that you can have somebody believing something that they absolutely did not believe a year ago, but they don't know how they got to believe what they're believing today, which is a lie. He says, take heed that you are not deceived. Many will come in my name saying, I am he, I am the Messiah. And the time is drawn near, therefore do not go after them. But 
When you hear of wars and commotions, do not be terrified, for these things must come to pass first, but the end will not come immediately. He said to them, the nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places, famines, pestilences, some translations say endemics. There will be fearful sights and great sights from heaven. Never seen so many pictures of things in the sky on the internet than I have in the last two years. Never have I seen it. 2,000 years ago, Jesus predicted that in the last days, every single thing you are seeing right now would happen. And yet, we are, he doesn't get any credit for that, but climate change does. Global warming gets the credit for Jesus being right because he made the earth and he knew how it would be. So, being deceived, being wise. He says in verse 20, where is the wise? Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? If you want to, and I use climate change because there's so much on it. There's so much money behind it. You will find more things on it than you will something else um, that is, that is uh, out there that's a hot uh, button issue. But in our day, you can take any person that has said something that is just a crazy assertion on this topic, and you can find a person, you can find 10 people who will go, that person is dead wrong, and I'll show you why. Well, that, that person was considered wise, right? Because they work for the University of Florida or wherever. Where is the wise person? Where is the scribe? Where is the person who disputes the age? God has made foolish the wisdom of the world. There is an absolute wisdom of the world, but it's foolishness on par with God Almighty. It's not on the same level. For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save the, those who believe. So much in this. If you and I could ever find God through human wisdom, think about this. The philosophers, the Greeks loved the philosophers. If we could ever find God through human wisdom, there would be someone who could understand and someone else who couldn't understand. You could go, well, that person has great intellect, therefore they can find God and they can be saved. But you aren't so smart, so sorry for you. I talked to you guys uh, a while back about um, the missionary Mike Wells who went to the Amazon and saw a guy who he described as basically a head. And the guy painted pictures with his teeth and with his mouth because he had no limbs. And he said he was about, about the size of a large cereal box, full-grown human. And, and he was so struck by it and hurt by it and all of these things. And he said, he said, God, why? Why would you allow me to do what I do? And then this guy, this guy, this is his lot in life. He goes, whatever you preach tomorrow, I better reply to him the same as it applies to you. And that's the deal is that no matter who you are in this life, the only thing you must do is accept the cross, is, 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 is accept what God did for you on your behalf because you couldn't do it, and you have to be humble. How do you get there? Well, you become like a child. A child accepts help most of the time. Sometimes we adults, we don't accept help as much. We don't want to be helped. Oh, don't help me. I'm good. Or I don't need any help. We, we say things like this. Well, that's the world. We don't need any help from you, God. Why? Because you might inflict a standard on us that we don't like. And that standard is called sin. 
The earth is cursed. It's been cursed since day one. Jesus talked about in the very end, it's going to stumble like a drunk. This place is sick and it has been sick since sin came into it. It will continue to get bad. But guess what? There was earthquakes in Jesus's day. There was an earthquake the day, day that he died. The earth quaked because it's probably because of the injustice that the natural earth saw its creator being killed when everybody else should have been killed, especially the people that were released, uh, people like Barabbas. If we could find God through human wisdom, there would be some who would get it and some who wouldn't get it. And it wouldn't be, it would just be based on how you were born. Like, well, sorry, you were born into a bad caste. Sorry for you. Part of believing the gospel is believing that you cannot get to God without God. Think about that. You cannot get to God's house without his help to get there. And once again, to the brilliant philosopher, they don't see a deficit in themselves. They don't see sin in themselves great enough to, to need, to, to humble themselves to the message of repentance. They don't think that they need God. Verse 22, Jesus, um, Jesus also said at other times, the Jews are always asking for um, a sign, right? Paul says the same thing. For Jews request a sign and Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified to the Jews, a stumbling block and to the, to the Greeks foolishness. To the brilliant people, this idea that Jesus died for you is like, pff, that's so low end. Why don't you give us something that we can like philosophize about? That's how they were. And the Jews are like, give us another sign. Give us another sign. Every time Jesus did something, they're like, show us again. Show us again. Who gets confer converted that hates Jesus? Who gets converted because they see a sign? Very, very few. It almost never happened with the, with the Pharisees. So the Jews want signs and the Greeks want brilliance. They want wisdom. They want this message to be something that, that tickles their intellect. It's not going to do that. A five-year-old can understand it. If you're Aristotle, I'm sorry. It's, it's pretty low. It's a, it's a low understanding. The religious elite of Judaism were always asking Jesus to prove it again, prove it again, prove it again today, prove it again tomorrow. The Greeks valued wisdom, and they saw salvation through wisdom. Um, verse 24, but to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. I want to read um, something uh, again from that same uh, passage on wisdom from Got Questions. Um, the writer says, the book of Proverbs is, is perhaps the best place in the Bible to learn of biblical wisdom. Proverbs 1.7 speaks of both biblical knowledge and wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Some say, some translations say the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. Wisdom's origin is in fearing God, not being scared to death of him, like the old man in the sky that's going to whip you if you do something wrong. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom because I, I grow and I go, man, if I was an idiot, I'd think I figured out my own self. I would think that I brought forth myself or I try to explain my existence through, to quote Richard Dawkins, a crystal somewhere in the stratosphere or in outer space in a piece of bacteria or cellulose got onto that crystal and here we are, five billion years later, 10 billion, however many billion years you need to eliminate God. I don't know how many that is. That's a lot more than 100 billion. 
it, it, it's a number, if, if you want to even go there, it's got to be a number nobody can pronounce to try and give me crystals and, and cells on the back of crystals. That's what he once said. Explain the origin of life. Crystals. Well, if you go to the gem show and you buy crystals, God bless. They're not going to bring you life. They're not going to bring life. They're not going to produce puppies down the road. The origin of life is God Almighty. It is what we call intelligent design. There's an air conditioning company that has that name that drives around here uh, through, in the, through this town. I love the name. The fear of God is the beginning of knowledge, the beginning of wisdom. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. To fear the Lord is to start on the path of knowledge, and God can then begin to provide us with wisdom through Christ, who the Bible says is wisdom itself. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. That's once again, 1 Corinthians. Um, that's his quote, 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 1, verse 30, which I'll get to. But lastly, he says, knowledge is what is gathered over time through study of the scriptures. Why do we read the Bible? For, for several reasons. I would even argue one of them's mental health to read the Bible. When you live in a culture like this one, reading the Bible is mental health. That'll, that'll do your soul a lot of good. Just, I mean, that's, that's one of many reasons. But knowledge is what is gathered over time through the study of the scriptures. It can be said that wisdom in turn acts properly upon that knowledge. Wisdom is the fitting application of knowledge. It fits. Knowledge understands the light has turned red. Wisdom applies the brakes. They work together. Knowledge sees the quicksand. Wisdom walks around it. Although when I was little, I would try and walk across the quicksand <laughs> to see how quick I was. Who accuses an eight-year-old of being wise? Especially Danny, little, little Danny Swanson. Nobody did. <laughs> Knowledge memorizes the Ten Commandments. Wisdom obeys them. Knowledge learns of God. Wisdom loves God. Why? Because God is trustworthy. He made us. He loved us. He didn't, he didn't just wind up the little jack-in-the-box dummy and let us go like the deists think. Uh, he, I guess the intelligent design started it, but then he went away. That's what they think. It's crazy to think that God would go to this type of trouble. Billions of people before you and I, billions. No one's the same. DNA is different. Every person's different somehow. It blows my mind to think about it. But knowledge is what is gathered over time through the study of the scriptures. You can know a lot about it. The problem is so many people know the Bible and they know it alone. They don't know God. But you can be blessed by just knowing this book and doing it. But you, you don't have necessarily have to have a relationship. You can read your car's owner's manual, but you don't know that the engineers at Ford. You don't know them. But you know all about what they made. You know a lot about how stuff works. They work together. That's why there's this relationship. It's so brilliant how God designed all this. But I want to... Um, trying to think of uh, how to fit it all in here. But I just want to read... Um, verse 26, and then we'll, we'll start to wrap it. For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. Why is it that the most brilliant people on this planet, 
the smartest guys in the world, when you, the smartest engineers, whoever they are, the presidents, the prime ministers, the people running governments, why is it that so few of them are humble, Bible-believing Christians? Why is it? Well, it's right there. (laughs) So many of them believe their wisdom comes from them. They are, many are called. Few, few are chosen and, and few, when you, when you throw that out there, when you throw the invitation out there, many of them go, I don't need that. I got $8 million in the bank. What do, I need, what do I need religion for? Nobody's asking you to take religion. People are asking you to consider the origin of wisdom. Where did it come from? Guys, if we look at, and I don't, I don't this is not a political thing. I'm not, this, I'm in no way, shape or form trying to trying to push something that is political because I believe it, it discounts the pulpit um, when, pol- when politics shoot out. But when you look at the hot button issues in our day, when you look at the things that are the most crucial, the things that get debated, the things that when you have people that are running our country, when you have them talk about these things, what do they really talk about? They talk in circles. They talk about stuff that never gets fixed. Do you know how fast you could get a 10-year-old kid to, to fix every American city in five seconds if you would just say to them, here's the deal, you can fix the problems, but you can't make yourself wealthy. Okay, fine. Give me the two choices. I'll, I'll do this, and I'll do that, and I'll do that. It would fix so many of the problems. But the problem is that when you look into who is profiting from this project, who is profiting from this stock who is profiting from this, uh, this contract being awarded to the worst possible contractor? Have you seen the roads in this town? Have you seen how half of the roads are down to one lane, but no one's working? Why? Who's paying for the barricades? Because a barricade company's not putting those up for free. Why are they sitting up? Well, I got an idea. How about we ask a 10-year-old, when should we put them up? When people are ready to work. Good job. You fourth grader, you could figure that out, right? That's Chicago. They say uh, in Chicago there's two seasons. There's summer and road construction. Or excuse me, winter and road construction. Chicago. The same guys that tear up the roads with the plow trucks are the same union guys that fix them all summer long. So it never, you're never without a, um, a, a frustration and a bottleneck in Chicagoland. That's just how it is. That's how people, that's, how, that's what we get used to in Chicagoland. But what I'm saying is, there is origin, the, the true word. I don't mean like how to be wise, uh, uh, real estate wise, or how to be wise in your business or what. All that stuff comes with being on par with God. That if you are, um, if you are wise in the ways of the Lord, that those, there will be blessings that follow. It doesn't mean that you're going to be a millionaire. It doesn't mean that God's going to just like pave your way and you'll never have a bad day. But it means that people will, will respect, even though they don't necessarily think what you think about Jesus might be accurate, they'd go, that's a person that I'd like to hire their company instead because they actually show up or they actually will uh, finish the job or they won't rip me off. Like nobody wants to be actually ripped off. But you're like, well, that guy's a conservative Christian and, and he's a missionary or whatever. Yeah, I'd rather have his company than this guy over here because this guy is known to be dishonest and known to be whatever. An embezzler. Biblical wisdom and biblical knowledge are two different things. One leads to the other. But the origin of wisdom is in not being scared of God, 
but fearing what his position is. His position is maker. His position is creator. His, Jesus' position is the nucleus, the actual holder. The scriptures say he holds the world together. When you study nuclear science, you will have nuclear scientists say, there's really no reason why this should actually be held together. Something is holding this together is what they say. Well, Bible says that he holds all things together. And there's also um, some people who go, when, when, when Jesus says release, that's when the world's going to just go off its rocker. I don't know. It sounds, it sounds like it's very plausible. But I just want to wrap this up by just a couple of thoughts. As you and I think about our lot in life, if we think about like, hey, where's the world going? Like this week I've had people talk to me about recession. What would you do about this? And what would you do about real estate right now? And, and it's, it's interesting. It's intriguing. Uh, they're, they're definitely interesting times for sure. But I love this quote that I heard from, from a, a guy years back. He said, stand for something, stand for something or you'll fall for anything. This country right now, because it has almost no leadership, no spiritual leadership, is falling for anything, literally anything. I mean, there are schemes and, and just ridiculous things that people are believing and putting their stock in and going all in for a couple of reasons. Number one, they don't know any better. And number two, they just want to belong. And if everybody's going down this broad highway, like the lemmings running off an Irish cliff, well, at least we'll be together. At least no one's yelling at me until I fall to my death in a few minutes. At least nobody's punching me or hurting me or calling me a Jesus freak. That is the number one reason I believe that people are just falling for anything. They're just buying anything that the world sells them. Oh, if you want to be wise, you got to do this. If you want to be wise, you got to be a te- you got to buy a Tesla. Well, I'm only interested in a Tesla because it's a sub 10 second quarter mile car. That's the only reason I'm interested in a Tesla, but I don't want to pay 150 grand for the car that gets me there. What's interesting about that is there's another video of a, of of a, not a climatologist, but a, um, a guy who studies, um, uh, CO2. And he said, um, if every single person on this planet drove a, drove an electric car, it's possible we could reduce carbon emissions by 5%. However, little children are being exploited to build batteries in other countries. No one gets to see that. Nobody, if anybody actually saw that, I do wonder how many people would be into that. But all that to say, there's not enough electrical grid. There's not enough people that can buy a $100,000 car on on this planet. I mean, think of how many people could buy a $100,000 car or even a $50,000 car worldwide, just worldwide. It's not wise. That's not wise. Now, once again, I'm very interested in the speed that electric cars produce. I'm, ve- I'm, a, I'm a little bit of a gearhead, and I'd love to go zero to 60 in two seconds versus my Kia, which is about 20 <laughs> seconds, maybe a little more, about as fast as a city bus. But stand for something or you'll fall for anything. I want to read um, a quote from... Uh, Mike Wells on a a book that he wrote years back called uh, My Weakness for His Strength. He says, I would ask that those who read this book would begin to pray that they would be weaker Christians next year than they are this year. I have found it to be true that the wrong thing is said so long that it sounds right. Mm 
That is what's going on in our world right now. The wrong thing is said so long that it sounds right. The Christian faith is not in need of strong people, but rather those that are weak. I mean, it's basically what Paul just said. God's chosen us, foolish things of the world, in terms of the brilliance of the world, for what? To shame the wise. So what he's saying is, um, you know, pray that you stay in that spirit, that spirit of not to be a weak person, like physically weak, but to be weak in that you realize your strength comes from another. Your strength comes from the spirit of God inside of you. He says, it has been proven that a Christian never fails at his point of weakness, but as, at his point of strength. It's when we become so strong in our own eyes, that's when the pride and the deception are like, you are, you are so awesome. Look at what God's doing. You can't be stopped. And then God sometimes goes, I'm going to pull the rug out real quick here. Weakness makes me aware that I am not God. There is a God. I am not him. And I am in deep need of him for my daily life. If Jesus said that apart from the Father, he could do nothing. Think about that. Jesus said, could any believer imagine themselves in a stronger place than Christ found himself? There is a misconception that if we give God our best, he will give us his best. Scripture does not support that notion. His strength is safeguarded in our weakness, just as his perfection is revealed in our imperfection. Remember that. I just want to close by reading this last verse once again. Verse 27. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And he didn't, he didn't use that word wise, like that, that translates to wise. The wise in the world. God has chosen the foolish things to shame the wise. Because there is going to be a day when the brilliant, and I mean the Steve Jobs, above the Steve Jobs, the, the smartest people that have ever engineered stuff on this planet, when they face God Almighty and Jesus is right there as a defense attorney that that hand slapped away. And you have to stand on your life, your merit, your everything you ever did. Why should I let you into this heaven? Well, because I started Apple and Macintosh, of course. Sorry, that doesn't work for us. We offered you the same Jesus as your neighbor who you thought was an idiot. God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things that are mighty. I want to just underscore this one more time. A lot of people don't like being called weak. When you're little and you are on the playground and somebody makes fun of you for being the, the, the last kid picked in practice or, or kickball or whatever, oh, yeah, we don't want that weakling. I've heard that said about me since I was always the shortest kid in every school I ever went to. And then I shot up to 5'10", showed them. I'll let that sink in. Uh, you, you're, the world says fight against that. That's a horrible thing to be said about you. Don't ever be weak. But God says it's not a bad thing. He says, I've chosen the weak. I've chosen the guy that's just ahead to shame the wise. Because there is going to be a day when they go, huh, how come that guy got into your heaven? Because that guy accepted what my son did and you slapped his hand away. 
It is a very, very intelligent thing to look at God and go, I'm not him. <laughs> I'm not close. The best day any human beings ever had, other than Jesus, that person isn't close. Now, they might be closer on merit than the worst that's ever been, the Jeffrey Dahmers and more, but we're talking about, you know, eight miles of gap between the best and the worst human and where they got to be. I'm going to read it one more time and we'll close. God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise, and God has cho chosen us, the weak things of the world, to put to shame the things which are mighty. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for um, allowing us to hear your message and to uh, walk toward it. God, that is not uh, a small miracle, but a, but a monumental miracle. Um, you say that if, you can, if, if we can hear your voice, uh, not to harden our hearts, not to be too smart for the room, not to uh, harden our hearts against that message. God, I do pray for those uh, friends and family, uh, work people, colleagues, friends, neighbors, God, that we um, have been entrusted uh, into their lives. God, that you would use us, use the light um, that is in us, the, the light of Christ, to draw more to you. As the song says, revive the country. Revive us again, Lord. We're a sick, sick country. God, we need desperately for you to revive and do a work in our day. In Jesus' name, amen.